This is The Think Tank with Dr. Mike O'Neill talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. The Think Tank. I have something very special for you this week, and uh, you may not be able to hear some of this stuff uh, anywhere else. Uh, There has been serious unrest in Cuba over the last two or three weeks. Uh, The people there are in distress. They're in line for scarce items. Uh, Cuba wasn't in good shape anyway. Uh, But uh, essentially, Cuba got hit with the trifecta. First of all, government control over much of the economy was has historically been a stifling thing. Uh, a lot of that has been loosened up in recent years uh, and uh, minimal sort of small-scale private enterprise permitted, but we still have government with too much hands and everything. Number two, the U.S. has had an embargo on Cuba for 60 years. Uh, that has hurt But over the last few years, it hasn't been devastating. It hurt because we are large and we are are close um, and we are a logical trading partner. Uh, Cuba, until COVID, was doing a reasonable tourism business with just about everybody else in the rest of the world. It's uh, a tropical paradise and... uh, Adding the U.S. to that could have been game game changing, but we've been in, we've been into political embargo for the last sixty years. Uh, and then number three, the trifecta: we have too much government control, the U.S. embargo, and number three, which was the death knell punch, was COVID. COVID came to the world. Uh, Cuba was not immune, and this completely closed down uh, the tourism business. People are on lockdown, and. Uh, Things have gotten fairly desperate. Uh, There are lines there for just about everything. Goods are scarce and getting expensive. And uh, the net result of all of this is that there have been uh, demonstrations against this by Cuban citizens. And those demonstrations uh, have been suppressed in two major ways. The first is that social media was shut down. Uh, those of you who listened to this show over the years know that I have uh, been to Cuba twice, reported uh, a show from each uh, visit, and gotten to know a fair number of people there, um, and have access as a result of that. Um, and uh, we're going to present to you in this show some uh, audio clips that I have obtained that were sent to me personally. You'll see my name uh, show up in this. These were sent to me personally with knowledge and consent that those would be broadcast. But uh, the, about the, the government attempt to suppress, first of all, they suppressed this with uh, sometimes violent police repression. And secondly, and perhaps more importantly of the two, they closed down social media. And by social media, I'm talking about Facebook, Twitter, and the like, which you could get there. And that is a catalyst that is to bring together a lot of people uh, together uh, at one time. Social media uh, is a dramatic accelerator for that. We've seen that in the state of Arizona with, uh, for example, uh, the Save Our Schools organization that put together a uh, – a initiative in the state of Arizona 
They confounded every single political expert. Everybody said, oh, you can't, you need that many hundreds of thousands of signatures. You can't do it. Well, with social media, it became possible. The Cuban government uh, recognized this and they shut it down. Now, how in light of that did I get access to uh, to these clips? And the answer is that there are ways around the shutdown of uh, of uh, social media, and essentially they involve what many of you will recognize a VPN, virtual private network. They shut down communication within the country, but if you're sharp enough to put together a virtual private network, you can circumvent that. Many of us have VPNs on our own computers. They're also a secure a security aspect they keep people from invading your computer and what they it essentially a VPN does on the internet is it makes the connection think that you are somewhere else other than where you are so the connection doesn't think you're in Cuba and you can get out and uh what i have here is a series of uh clips that i want to play for you I know the person. I'm not going to identify them. I know that this to be a real person. I know this to be a person who is speaking sincerely. And I know this to be somebody who I will also tell you was not especially uh, political. This was not a political activist with an axe to grind on one side or the other. Let's, let's listen to the first clip. There'll be more to come. I'm sorry, Mike. I get emotional sometimes. But I'm thinking about everything that's going on here. Let me just begin by telling you that they are um, limiting our communications. Uh, Let's go longer clip, the second one. You the reason that they are doing this is very simple. They don't want the world to see what's going on here. They are they're violating our basic rights, which is the freedom of speech. You know, they're doing that. And people are tired, Mike. Um, I mean, you have been here, you know very well how this country works, but um, everything has been getting worse and worse with the pandemic. Um, of course, you know that our basic income comes from tourism, and um, since there is no tourism here, or very little tourism, um, it's hard for the country to keep buying things. Um, so we have been having shortages of pretty much everything. Food, medicine, blackouts that would last over six hours in different provinces. Things get Havana has not been in that situation. Um, we are lining up to get pretty much everything, um, toilet paper. I had to stay over eight hours to get toilet paper Paper um, a couple of weeks ago. So basically, people are just getting tired of everything that is going on here. I understand that in every single country you have um, 
members of the government who are corrupt and you know but normal people get the chance to leave and get the chance to have their basic needs covered but right now you see that the members of their families are living like queens and kings and the normal people here there are some people who don't even have what to eat some days and that's not fair that's not fair for anyone so basically um basically people are just going out because they're tired and they want to change i am against violence 100% against violence but you know even though the country's going through the highest um like the worst situation in terms of covid cases we have been having the highest uh, number of cases in sorry in this last week um people just don't care and go out So, Mike, you can guess that in my house, you breathe a lot of tension because my grandma is a very strong supporter of the system. But, you know, I'm 25 and I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. I don't want my goddaughter to um, go through the same problems that we have been going through over and over. And it's true, you know, I have told you and I can keep telling you the positive things that we have here and, you know, what I have accomplished in my life. Um, but it's not enough. I, I think you could hear there a number of things. One is uh, you heard the raw emotion. This is real. You also heard that uh, she references her grandmother, and we've spoken about that in other conversations. Her grandmother uh, comes back, and her retort is, you don't remember how bad things used to be before the revolution. So uh, it's a mistake to think that there's unanimity. There's a lot, a lot of upset. There's a reaction to shortage. Uh, but uh, there's also an age difference. The older folks are not necessarily on board with this, though a lot of them are as well. Uh, the younger people are, 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 are a different case, and uh, 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 what comes through to this is, above all else, is the reality of it. We'll be back with more clips in a moment from Cuba. Think Tank. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're continuing with some clips that I've uh, gotten from a backdoor source through Cuba, which I know to be genuine. If you've heard the first segment, you know that they are. I'm going to talk less and listen more. Let's run the first clip. Um, they have continued, not like yesterday, but there have been some areas in Havana and also in other provinces who have been having protests right now. The problem is that people are not communicating with each other because of this problem that I was telling you. So it's not easy to gather the same amount of people that could be gathered yesterday. And on top of that, 
you know, if you were here, you would be surprised. Today I was going to my job and I realized that in that area, which is El Vedado, you know El Vedado, right near the Havana Libre Hotel? Well, basically in that area, there were more police officers than civil people, people, you know, and it's crazy. Yeah. Um, she mentions how they've shut down social media. Let's, let's move right on with the next clip. Mike, I'm just asking you, I know that you were a journalist. Um, keep sharing what's going on in Cuba right now. You know, when you turn on the TV, um, Today, there was like a program that was live and it was with the president and all these people giving us the same reason that they reasons that they have given us over and over why we have this situation. But we don't want those reasons anymore, you know. But other than that, when you turn the TV on, it's like nothing is going on here. And honestly, again, I'm telling you that today it's been a bit more quiet than yesterday, but people are angry, and I'm afraid. Oh, there was one detail that I didn't mention yesterday. Um, yesterday, when the president was talking live, he basically said that those people who support it, who support the revolution, should go out to the street and fight for the revolution. So. Um, they should, I mean, his words were, we, I mean, those revolutionary people should go and take the streets. That was his, you know, his phrase. And after that, basically, it was like a civil war that was beginning here because you have people who were protesting against the system, um, fighting people who are, pro uh, the revolution and it was sad because at the end of the day we're all Cubans and again today it's been a day that's a little bit more quiet than yesterday there are a few places that that have had protests but the main reason is that because people are not communicating you notice not communicating means that social media has been shut down, and you notice also the Cuban president urging people on his side to come out, some of whom did violently, and some of whom may have also been secret police in plain clothes. Let's run the next clip. The government has cut off Internet since yesterday, and what they're doing to us is outrageous. They, they don't want us to share what's going on here. They don't want us to communicate with each other. They don't want us to gather like we did on Sunday. And it's not it's not fair. It's not fair because they're dividing the country. That is what they're doing. You notice what you're hearing. It's not a call for revolution. It's a call for better treatment. Let's run the last clips that just fit it in before we run out of space here. Mike, I don't live in the best neighborhood of the city, but it's not the worst one. And the thing is that those images that I, that I sent you of the police officers beating that guy, um, 
were actually close to my house. And when you see that, and when you hear the sound of um, someone shooting to the air, it's crazy. I never thought that I would hear that. And I saw the videos and yet I cannot believe it. And I saw in the in other videos, police officers shooting to the air because they didn't want people to walk and march to the Capitol building on Sunday. Basically, when the president said that like people that people that support the revolution should take to the streets um, and defend the revolution at any cost, that was basically the call for a civil war and sitting Cuban people fighting Cuban people it's not beautiful it's not beautiful at all and it's very disappointed when you see images like that when you when you hear people calling for that we'll be back with uh, more clips pirated out of Cuba when we return after the break in the think tank The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Mike O'Neill back here uh, reporting on uh, civil unrest in Cuba and some very dramatic clips from a citizen who uh, uh, got me these clips through the back door and a little bit of Internet chicanery. outside of the attempt of the government to suppress it. Uh, The next clip uh, uh, presents some interesting information about or interesting observation on the sort of the age distribution of of views in Cuba. You know, a lot of people may be thinking right now that Cubans are just fighting for more COVID vaccines or that Cuban people are just fighting because they are tired of the system that we have here, but it has to do mainly with the second thing. Mike, we don't have freedom of speech. If we think different, if we think different here, we are not, um, we are not safe, basically. I personally have had problems with my own family because right now my family is divided older members of my family because they have a different way to see the world. They don't support what's going on. But the younger members of my family, including me, of course, we are defending what we think is fair. And that has become a problem in my family because there is a lot of tension here. And you can breathe a lot of tension in the city. Uh, I think there's a point here, and and this is one you'll miss if you listen to the sort of the anti-Castro Cubans in Miami or something who will paint a picture that everybody's against the regime. Uh, This is a report from a woman who was not happy with the way things there at all, but acknowledges very real differences within their own family. A lot of these things are seen in terms of corruption. Next clip. You know, when you when you don't have your basic needs covered, when you don't (sighs) 
when you don't have soaps, when you don't have food, you stop thinking about staying home and, you know, trying to find out a way to live. You just want to protest and try to have a better life. Listen, I understand that in every single country you have corrupt politicians and you have people who want to profit from their time in the government, but in those countries, middle class have a decent life. In those countries, when you go to the markets, you have food, you have hygiene products, you have stuff, you know, deodorant. It's not easy what we are going through here. We don't have antibiotics to control an infection. We don't have medicine to control fever. It's crazy. It's crazy, Mike. And it is frustrating to see that you have someone ill in your house and you basically have nothing to treat them with. It's crazy. Next thing, next clip deals with uh, you want something, you wait in line. Mike, let's just say that getting stuff here in Cuba has become a day-long activity. People would line up for hours, sometimes over eight hours to get sometimes something as simple as toilet paper. And that's when you're lucky and you get them. So it's not that you line up for hours and you will get what you're looking for. That's not the way it works here. Sometimes you may go to the store, you may ask, and probably they would have oil, you know, to cook. But probably after four hours lining up, suddenly you may hear that you don't have oil anymore. And basically you have wasted your day in there. Since the beginning of January, this is another problem that we have here, that the government started what they call, let's say, the reorganization of the economy. Prices have gone sky high. And I will put you an example so you can understand what's going on here a bit better. I... I, let's let's get the next one. The next one, I, what she says, she goes some line talking about how prices are going up. I want to go to 4A where, where there's really a heartbreaking story about kids. So we're fighting to make things better. You're fighting to have a better place to live. You're fighting for our childs, our kids, you know, the kids that you see growing up, the kids that don't even have candies to eat because in the only places where you can get candies are those places where you can where you have to buy them with the currency that you don't get paid with how do parents explain to their children that they cannot go there and have that you know I remember now reading an article from a newspaper and they were mentioning a province where parents demanded to move all the candies and the cookies and everything from the front area of the stores because 
kids wanted them and they didn't have how to buy them. That's heartbreaking, you know? And talking about that and talking about a future, we don't have a future if we keep living this way. And it's not fair, you know? We deserve a better future, Mike. You know, I want to make an observation about if you listen to all these clips, you hear about the shortages, you hear about the heartbreak. uh, But in contrast to uh, the political discussion that we hear, in in particular the Florida Cuban community, what you don't hear is you don't hear talk about economic systems, about socialism, about communism. I can recall, and as you, I've mentioned before, I've traveled in Cuba. I remember a discussion I had with uh, somebody who actually fought in the original revolution alongside Fidel Castro. And he was very disappointed and disillusioned. And, and uh, what became evident to me is that original fight was not about socialism to bring it in. It was about a better life. And he was somebody who's very disappointed and disillusioned by what he saw as a failure of the regime to produce that. Now you have two generations later uh, this lady and folks like her who are very, very upset about their condition, but they are not expressing – they're not talking about being anti-socialist or anti com They're talking about their basic needs being met and not met. And I think that is the thing that the political discussion um, really misses. This is about and this is perceived on the ground in Cuba by Cubans as an issue of our basic needs are not being met. It's not being um, fought at the level of grand ideology. And, uh, and I want to suggest that that's mostly what occurred. I, I, I love just the contrast to me. These folks who took over in 1959 uh, and ultimately became a, a communist regime, that wasn't what they were fighting for. And the people who were objecting to that same regime now are not uh, explicitly rejecting social. They're just saying, we want a better life. And, and uh, particularly among the younger ones, they're saying, and this system hasn't gotten us. Now, that. now in fairness, you have to acknowledge also the, the retort of her grandmother. You don't remember how bad it was. It's better than it was. There's not unanimity on that. So uh, that said, uh, we'll return uh, in a moment. I got a few more clips for you that, that are, are very, very dramatic and illustrative. And we'll return in just a moment in the think tank with us. Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Mike O'Neill here. We're playing clips pirated out of Cuba where there have been demonstrations against the government over the last two or three weeks. Play the next clip, please. So, to sum up what I was telling you before, the government is not ready for a change, they're not ready to understand that we're fighting for our rights. And it's very interesting because 
what we are doing today in 2021 is very similar to what they did before in the 50s. In 1953, they began fighting a dictator. Um, and basically, one of their main goals was to solve some of the main problems that Cuba had back in the days. Well, ironically, some of those problems, like the housing problem, is not even solved today after 50 years. What we learn in our history lessons is that in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, people who were openly against the government would go to jail missing or they would finally be killed. But today, when you're openly against the government, you can go to jail. And even today, there are still people that are missing from the protests from Sunday. And, you know, it's crazy what's going on here. It's like history, it's repeating itself. But again, I hope that at the end of all of this, as I was telling you before, we have a much, much better country. Thank you for helping me spread the word of what's going on in Cuba. And even though we keep being isolated, we still don't have internet services here unless we do you know wi-fi vpn and all of that um we will remain strong you notice it's interesting this is not a call for violent revolution it's just the opposite it is it is heart-wrenching it is still hopeful and uh and uh, I, I, I just couldn't help. This is this is the Animal Farm story. If you've ever read this in high school, where the where there's a revolution and the revolutionaries take over and they start behaving like the prior repressors. Read. Mike, we are fighting to have a better country. We are protesting because we want our rights to be respected. We are protesting because we want a better future for us and. For the children. This is not a crime. The, go the government wants to put it as a crime. A lot of people are getting arrested, but this is not a crime at all. And I think Cuba deserves more than what we have right now. And I really hope that at the end of all of this, at the end of all of these protests and all of this pain that we're going through right now, we have, we have a better place to live in. Again, the note is still hopeful. But uh, and it is certainly not a call for violence. It's just the opposite. Let's re let's move right on. Hi, Mike. Um, there is not much to say about Cuba. So basically, what I can tell you right now is that the government is trying to impose fear on people. 
because when you go out, you see a lot of military agents, not only police officers, but also some special forces from the military. And that's basically what they want to do. So if you add that, plus the lack of communication that we have been having, um, people are pretty calmed down. And it is so calmed down that to be honest with you, is scary if you consider what happened here last weekend. And uh, again, we got one more. This is a little bit longer clip. And, 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 and after this, there's a, almost a week's hiatus, and I have two final clips of, of concluding comments. So. There is a lot of fear right now because, again, it's super sad. Let's see what happens tomorrow. Um, and what will happen on July the 26th. I don't know if you know this, but that was the day when Fidel began the movement in 1953, you know, to actually fight Batista, and that lately um, allow him to become the president of Cuba. So let's see what happens on that day. But again, they, on the news, they have created this show that everybody, according to them, everybody who participated on the protests of Sunday were paid by the U.S. government or some, or some dissidents living in the United States. And, you know, they have shown text messages of people telling, I mean, of people living in the U.S., telling people living in Cuba what to do. Basically, some of the um, violence that took place on Sunday, according to them, was um, following orders of people who lived in the U.S. And to be honest, Mike, I'm not going to say that they are right or wrong. I'm just going to say that I'm pretty sure that these are some fake accounts, Facebook accounts created by people who work for the government so they can discredit what is happening in Cuba right now. That is my opinion. Okay, here's what happened. July 26th, as the the speaker here noted, was a significant event. They're not able to communicate with one another, but some people thought that maybe since that's a significant anniversary in Cuban history, kind of like the 4th of July for us, it might be the uh, impetus for further uh, demonstrations. Largely, it was not. We got more or less crickets. Uh, nothing much happened. Uh, so that represents short-term success for the government. They were able in the short term to shut down demonstrations through social media uh, shutdown and to some extent through police uh, suppression. Um, I want to make some comments about this. Uh, the, the temptation of the United States is, wow, let's let's go in, let's get involved military or otherwise. The point I want to make is that would play perfectly into the government's hands. We have an unsavory history 
in that area. We in, we invaded Cuba in the early 1960s at the behest of the diaspora Cubans who were absolutely 100 convinced that 100% convinced that the moment uh, troops landed on Cuban soil that the Cuban people would rise up against the Castro government and not a single person did. Um, I, I think there is a very – you need to understand something about the diaspora Cubans. They are the most fiercely anti-communist, anti-Castro folks on the face of the earth, some of them for very good reasons. They tended to descend from wealthier Cubans who had property taken when the regime took over, and it is an article of religion that they despise this regime and everything about it. The attitude that I heard here and that I got from a, a lot, listening to lots and lots of uncensored Cubans in their home, and they do feel free to speak in their homes, not publicly, not on social media, not in a way that's going to call attention to themselves, but in their homes. And what you get from the ordinary Cuban is a lot more nuance. Um, I was there on one of my trips in the period of mourning for Fidel Castro, and the sorrow was genuine. And they saw the demonstrations celebrating Castro's death in Little Havana, and they were completely incredulous. They said, "You know, had they, you know, have they no respect? This man died." So there is a chasm between the Cubans who left Cuba and the Cubans who are there. And it doesn't mean that the folks there they are not happy with the current state of affairs. They're not especially happy with the government, but. Uh, it is it is something that you can make a very it, it's kind of like if you went to the to the United States uh, and you want to know what people feel and you stood outside the Capitol on January 6th and you interviewed the folks who were there and you said, well, OK, now I understand what the American people feel. No, you understand what a tiny sliver of the American people uh, feel. So. Uh, I wish the Cuban people well. I don't think this is over, but it, it seems as if the, uh, the immediate circumstances have been successful in suppressing demonstrations. I don't think the story is over. If you want to, by the way, next week, uh, if before we get too sanguine in the U.S. about our own position, our hands are not completely clean, and we'll talk about that next week in the Think Tank. If you want to reach me, it's mikeoneal.org, and you can get me on email or social media through that vehicle. Thank you.